Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are just 12 days away from the start of the 2023 Minnesota Vikings season. Today, we got clarity on who is going to be on the roster. Why does it matter? Why doesn't it matter? And what are the biggest takeaways from the Vikings initial 53-man roster? We're here to talk all about it here on The Real Forno Show. Real Forno Show. Hosted by Tyler Bornis. The managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire, writer for the College Football Network, publisher of Substack Run In Shooter, host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Score. You are looking live on a Tuesday evening here on The Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis, with me as always in the top right corner. His name is producer Dave, who is just a few short hours away from owing me a bottle of bourbon. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing good, and I look forward to paying you that bottle of bourbon if that turns out to be the case. Yep, and uh, we will get into that here later, but that this might be a little bit of an abbreviated episode. It depends on how long we end up talking about the Vikings 53-man roster because it was made official today. And the Vikings 53-man roster is... Well, Dave, it's interesting. And I think what's really important to note here is even though it's official, it's far from official because waivers will run tomorrow at noon. And because they run tomorrow at noon, there could be a multitude of changes. And I think that's really important. And I think I actually have a dog at my door. So I'm going to go check that real quick. You go check that. I'm going to say hello to everybody who's in the chat. Vincent, Aaron, Aaron down here with me. All nice. What do you think of today's weather there, Aaron? Almost chilly. Uh, Patrick Harms, the lovely and beautiful Miss Mary. Gary's here. 
Norse Fius, of course, is here after working on some backsplashes. Harms, Michael, anybody else I missed? Skull for life. Absolutely there, buddy. Good to see you here as well. And, of course, Justin of Purple and Gold for Days. We are happy to see you in there and showing the freezing emoji. Up on the tickers right now, I have the rules that go over the cutdown days. That's on that top one that you see rolling by. Obviously, we passed the deadline to to get to where we need to go. And uh, yes, Norsefius, I agree with you on that one. So, and on the bottom, we have the team. I will also put up who was waived or cut or whomever. So you have them for reference as we go through the show. Now, people always ask me, Dave, what are you sipping? Well, today, Aaron can vouch for this. Still Austin, straight bourbon. Uh, it's distilled here in town. Absolutely fabulous. It's a 98.4 proof, and it is a good local bourbon with that little bit of Texas funk I like so much. So that's to answer your question there, Gary. And I see a puppy dog briefly. The biggest oh. complaint so far is the cutting of Luigi. All right. Let's have a conversation here. So. Well, Eclair decided to get into some mischief. Uh-huh. Yeah, fun stuff. But we're okay. I just had to... Chase around a little bit, and I am not nearly in as good a shape as I was a decade ago. <laughs> but that's okay. She's sitting good in my lap. And let's talk about this roster. So right after it got released, I wrote nine major takeaways from the roster, and I think we're going to start on offense. They kept Jaron Hall. Of course, they were going to keep Jaron Hall because it's their quarterback rule. And... I thought it was important that they ended up doing just that. And I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. Look, he's a developmental guy. We'll see what happens. It's really all there's to it. But honestly, the skill positions were really intriguing. Only kept three running backs and not including CJ Ham. So technically four in the backfield. Well, they waved away McBride and they kept Kenny Wongwu. Now here's the thing with Kenny. If they don't, he was never placed on PUP. So they can't just place him on PUP. That's not how that works. They'd have to place him on injured reserve in order to do that and not be out for the season. You have to be on the initial 53 man roster. Are the Vikings looking to put him on injured reserve tomorrow afternoon and either one bringing back uh, whatchamacallit um, yeah, bringing back Dwayne McBride or are they just going to be looking to add a veteran because I think Alexander Madison's fine as your running back one I don't love it but he's fine 
And I think Ty Chandler is a fine running back too, who I have a lot of, who I believe has a lot of upside after that. There's nothing there. And I think a veteran could be coming in to be one of those guys. Named Hunt. Maybe. Um, I'm starting to look at, at and potentially write a piece for Vikings where I'm kind of looking at who could be those guys. I think Miles Gaskin just released from the Miami Dolphins is an intriguing option. Got experience in the system. Really good pass catcher. Can do a lot of different things. And I think that's important here. Um, now, with vested vets, are they going to wait until after week one? I don't... Uh, because of how they ended up keeping the roster, I don't think... like I opined about that yesterday, where they would cut vets and then bring them back. Well, they kept Jonathan Bullard. They kept Brandon Powell. I don't... I really don't think that they're going to be doing that. Maybe with Joan Williams, who was far and away the biggest cut today. He was the biggest cut of all of them. And I was honestly surprised because I thought he was pretty good and he provided depth. Look, you don't want him starting and, but he's a capable player. He was getting work with the ones in nickel situations and I thought he looked good, but the Vikings decided to move on. Maybe that's the veteran thing that we're, we're, you were kind of mentioning. Maybe they bring him back after week one so they don't have to fully guarantee his contract. I don't know, but I, to me, the moves that they made weren't signaling procedural and they were signaling these are the guys we want on our roster and that's the way they made it work. Well, so. I, what I'm asking is, obviously, I think Kenny is going to go to IR for however many weeks. We we don't know that. We're that's just a guess. That's just my theory. I think they'll probably bring in somebody, but like on the offensive line, may they wait on those veterans, the vested veterans, until after week one before they pull them in. They might, you know, Kenny may go on. IR tomorrow. And then we hear that they move McBride. McBride goes to the practice squad if he makes it through waivers. And then they pull him up for week one off the practice squad as a designated player. And then he goes back down. And then they bring in Kareem Hunt or said veteran. You pick, take your pick. And then they have him on the on the squad at that point. And at the price they want, or the non-guarantee they want. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but it, all these guys were on minimum deals, so the only way, like, it's the only way you make that move is if you're going to want to move on from the midseason. And I, yeah, but you're I talking it, about the vested vets we released. I'm talking about somebody like Kareem Hunt or somebody out there that's going to make more than just a veteran minimum. If you're putting Kene Wangwu on IR, you're not running with two running backs in week one. You're going to bring somebody in right away. I don't think that's the case. I, yeah, I think what I'm saying is they put Kene on it. They sign McBride to the practice squad. They activate McBride for week one. And then week two, McBride goes back to the practice squad and they sign said veteran who's out there in the ether right now 
like Kareem Hunt or whomever, and there was a good list put up by somebody, that they could bring in, and then thus their salary is no longer guaranteed, and then they can play them week to week if they work out. If not, they can release them. Okay, that makes some sense. Um, yeah, that, that's a possibility. I don't know if the Vikings are going to... like. They've been pretty shrewd with how they've wanted to maneuver with the cap. I, I don't know if Quasey's just going to want to be like, you know what? We didn't believe enough in McBride to keep him on the roster to just elevate him week one. I, I don't think that necessarily fits, but it's a, it's a definite possibility. I, and I'm not going to say that it's not going to happen, but I, I don't personally see it. But we'll see how things end up working. I think the receiver position is where the most intrigue is right now as far as the skill positions. The Vikings did keep six. Uh, Justin Jefferson, um, probably the biggest surprise keep of the, of the day. Uh, KJ Osborne, Jordan Addison, Jalen Naylor, Brandon Powell, and Jalen Rager made the team. Now, there were reports earlier, and you kind of opined on it yesterday, that they showcased him in that final preseason game that teams were making calls. And because teams were making calls, that could be the Vikings were trying to garner up some interest and get teams bidding against each other, or that came from other teams, but likely came from the Vikings. The way that read, that was definitely a Vikings league. So Rager, they were obviously shopping him, hoping to be able to bring in some kind of capital for him. That doesn't necessarily mean they want to get rid of him. It just means they want to try and get some capital back. They probably do want to get rid of him, but they can't get the right capital. Maybe they just keep him. And quite frankly, the way he played, it's pretty good. He did a, he did a pretty good job. Oh, hey, Odie. Welcome to the show. Um, he did a really good job. Um, can you bring me a wipe? I got poop on my hand. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, it's okay. It's just Eclair. It, it's just a tiny bit. But that's, that's the life of being a dog owner, especially when they're small. And I think with Rager... No matter what you do, you'll be okay. Uh, Odie is literally spread eagle in the back, just like oh, he's having a good time. Somebody's going to clip that. It's going to be a really good one. Thank you. Well, I think if they traded Rager, they're going to go with Mama. Seeing what Quasi's doing, I don't think he's going to take a huge loss on that. He would have mm-hmm. to, uh, um, probably get close to what we traded for him in the whole. Is upgradable from a fourth, you know, from a fifth to a fourth. That whole BS that went along with that trade, I think he'd be looking for that, and he probably didn't get it from anybody. So he says, "No, he's playing well, and he is this preseason. I've been impressed with him so far. He hasn't made any of those stupid mistakes, and so this is we're going to keep him. Yeah, you might as well keep him. It's." Like he's a, he's turning into a better football player, and that's the kind of growth you want to see from somebody who's really talented. Everybody thought Rager's talented. He's just never been able to put it together. And that aspect is what's been really frustrating, why the Eagles moved on from him, and why the Vikings, you know, barely played him at the end of the year because that Indianapolis Colts game was a disaster. And the tough part about Rager is it's not like you can just cut him you're going to absorb his salary no matter what. Now we did find out that he does have offset language. So if a team signs him, let's say they give him that 
veteran minimum, and it's $1.1 million. Well, the Vikings would get a cap credit next year of $1.32 million. So they wouldn't have to fully pay everything in total cap charges, but they wouldn't get the relief until next year. So I don't think the Vikings are going to want to make that kind of uh, commitment to getting rid of him when he's playing capable. Now, if he was bad again, yeah, you probably just dump him, but he wasn't. He ended up being pretty good. And I think that's important. Uh, now, when we transition over to tight ends, I, I, I'll say this one more thing about the wide receivers. Tristan Jackson's going to make the practice squad and guys like lucky Jackson looked good. So, mm-hmm. Vikings keep two or three guys on the practice squad. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. So this is a talented group of players, but and they get six wide receivers. Yep. I think Brandon Powell is going to end up being the punt return guy. I think he earned that job and he actually played pretty good as a wide receiver, which has not been something he's done throughout the course of his career. He's been a slot guy. He's been a gadget guy, but he was being a, legit wide receiver. And I think that was impressive. Something that we hadn't necessarily seen from him before. So I think that's objectively great. Now, can he keep that up? Can he do that in the regular season? Can he do that when he gets punched in the mouth by a press man corner on the outside? I don't know. We're going to find that out. But what we've seen so far has been objectively really good. And I think this is a really talented group of receivers that goes deep. And if you have to play wide receiver six for like, say 20 snaps in a game, you're going to feel pretty okay about that. You don't love it. You feel okay. And I think that's important. Well, hopefully we're not down to a wide receiver six in a game. No, but I think that speaks to what the depth is where he is like, this is good. And I think when you look at the wide receiver position, we're in a good spot and tight end is kind of the same way. We end up keeping four. We talked about if Nick Muse would make the team right now, he has made the team. Can he grow that? Can he improve? Can he keep his roster spot? I don't know if he's going to keep the roster spot through the next couple of days. The Vikings only have eight offensive linemen. They only have five defensive linemen. They kept six safeties. Yes, they kept six safeties. Something we talked about yesterday of being a real possibility because Theo Jackson played really well in the preseason and training camp. And he's a young guy. He's only, he was a sixth round pick last year by the Titans and they cut him. You have six talented safeties who you'd feel relatively comfortable with playing a decent amount of snaps. Well, if you want to bulk up cornerback, which only is, I'm calling it four and a half because Najee Thompson <laughs> is a team's weapon. He's technically listed as a corner. He's not a corner. So being that you have Najee as one of your corners, you are going to want to add at least one more to the roster. So you have to find a roster spot for that. You have to find a roster spot for a running back. If you don't put Kenny Wangu on injured reserve. Ooh, JT O'Sullivan is Hall's game up on the QB channel. I will be watching that. JT O'Sullivan is awesome. Um, And you have to find room for another offensive lineman, another defensive lineman. So you only have five. Tight end is probably the first position to take a hit. Either that or safety. So that's 
that's going to be something to watch. Muse's performance was good enough to make the team. Quite frankly, I thought if Ben Sims would have made the team, I wouldn't have had too big of an issue with it. Sims played pretty well, especially in that last game where he showed he over the last couple, he was a really nice receiving threat and he could also block on the line of scrimmage, which is what I thought his best attribute was coming out of Baylor. Like this skill set group is very, very good. And there are some tough decisions made. Yeah, I agree. And we're fat in a few groups. And those are the ones we're going to look at to if they start bringing in people to fill in other spots that are going to suddenly be released and hopefully clear waivers. Because we have the initial waivers, everybody today, and it all gets processed tomorrow by noon Eastern. So by 11 o'clock, we're going to start hearing names coming in to the practice squad. Once you get that done, and then once you get that done, then if they start to bring in people, they'll move people on the waivers, and it won't be a lot of people of our, a lot of teams have already said, well, we've already built our practice squads. We're not, or our rosters, we don't want to snag this guy, and they tend to clear a little bit better that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to see how, how it works. And Dave, something everybody watching and listening to this show needs to know how it works is fans first sports. <laughs> see, one ticket giveaway. Now, what do they need to know about and how do they get involved and potentially win two tickets to any week one game of their choice? That's two, four. Oh, look at me. I forgot how to count. I've been trying to count all day, and I just, it escaped me. No, it's you get to go, and three of your best friends, family, or whomever you want. Even three of people your mistresses, you- if you want to roll that way. It's whoever <laughs> you want. All you've got to do is go over to contest.fansfirstsports.com. Dot com, and I'll throw it in the remarks here shortly, and fill out the appropriate information, and you will have a chance to win four, count them, four free tickets to the week one game of your choice. Now, most of us, that's at U.S. Bank Stadium. Well, not all of us, like me, are near U.S. Bank Stadium, and if there's some game nearby, that you wanted to attend, you could put in for that too. There's no problem. There's four free tickets up to a value of $5,000. That's $1,250 a ticket. A $1,250 ticket in most stadiums gets you a primo seat. And so all you have to do, again, is go over to contest dot fans first sports dot com and fill out the appropriate information and you will have a chance to win the contest to win these uh runs through September 4th so that gives FFSN fans first sports network time to notify the winner that they have the tickets and which game they want so like I said, just go over there, fill it out. Doesn't cost you a dime to go out there and put in that information 
and hopefully you win those four free tickets. Hell and the ticket yeah. placements are of your choosing, right? They're going to say, hey, if you want to go to U.S. Bank, here's the open spots, here's the tickets available, pick the four you want, up to $5,000. So if you want to pick up one for four grand, if there's a seat in U.S. Bank for four grand, you want that, and you want to put your three buddies up in the nosebleeds, they'll do that too. Boom. Go get your free tickets, and then when you win, make sure you tell them that uh, Forno and Dave sent you. <laughs> make, make sure you tell them. All right, let, let's get back to this. We had a question from Gary a little bit ago. If we knew how the NFL came up with 53. I'm going to be honest. The only thing I can think of is they did 22 on offense, 22 on defense, you know, one, one player at each position, one backup. And then you have your three specialists. So that's 47. After that, you just have six wild card spots. That that's the only thing I can really think of. I don't know how they officially got to 53. Um, I'd have to do some research and see if I can find that out. I, I think 53 is more of an arbitrary number than anything, but we'll, but maybe my research when I take a look, will tell me something different. I had heard that well, earlier in the week. Where does the number 53 come from? And people start thinking, well, you got 11, 11 backups. That's 22, 22. That's 44 plus three. That gives you. 47, where did the extra six come from? Yeah, um, the only thing I could think of is wild card spots where you can kind of use it wherever you want. A lot of teams, you know, we keep three quarterbacks. And back in the day, you needed three quarterbacks because quarterback very rarely started 16 games in a season. And that's something that we saw consistently until about the last decade. And even now quarterbacks are still missing games, but you don't invest the time into a backup quarterback like you did. I always go to the 1990s Houston Oilers, the early days, Warren moon. I mean, I don't know if you can see it. He's right there. And (laughs) they developed Cody Carlson. Um, for eight years and then they gave him the job and well, he stunk on in 1994, but they de- they developed him and they had him as the backup and he would is able to step in and play well enough. And I think that's important. That's something that you want to have on your roster. And back in the day, you needed that. And another guy, you had a really good backup and you had a developmental guy. Think of the, the Vikings 1998. Brad Johnson, your starter. Randall Cunningham, your backup. You know who quarterback three was, Dave? Jay Fiedler. Who ended up starting multiple seasons with the Miami Dolphins. And he ended up with the Jacksonville Jaguars in 99. And then I think uh, 2021 is when he ended up taking over. He took over for Dan Marino. And I think that's something that we could really use more of, but it hasn't been prioritized with this um, third quarterback rule. I think it's going to come back in into Vogue. I think we're going to start seeing more and more and more. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how that ends up playing out, but to really uh, go back to Gary's question, 
I don't know. I don't know how they came up with 53. My guess is 22, 22, uh, three, and six. But that's just a guess. Um, and it's what just the six kind of, are is the question. Yeah. Um, six was just wild card spots, whatever you want. That's my guess. Um, let's continue on with this roster because there is a lot of intrigue to talk about. And we'll move on to the offensive line. And the offensive line itself only eight players. We have our five starters Austin Schlopman, Oli Udo, Blake Brandle, Chris Reed. I was wrong in this. I thought he would have to stay on the roster, but with the NFI and the PUP, you can just stay on the lists. You don't have to wait until waivers fully clear tomorrow at 11 a.m. So that's important. And he ends up just going right on to NFI. He'll miss at least the first four weeks, but it also means we have a hole on the offensive line. And I thought maybe there's a chance they could keep Jack Snyder. They didn't. They didn't keep anybody else on the offensive line. And now you're in a position where you need probably need to find an offensive lineman to at least bring in for a few weeks. And I think the Vikings are going to be active in trying to acquire those guys, whether it be through a trade waivers or free agency, because this could be a Dalton Risner spot. If Risner, because to my knowledge, he wanted to start. And I don't think the Vikings were willing to guarantee that. And that's hypothetically, you know, what, why we didn't actually bring him in. That's, that's kind of me just putting pieces together and me trying to figure out in my head. So I heard he wanted guarantees to start and he wanted 8 million and they told him, no, I'll be honest. That's not exactly unfair financially. Eight, like he's a pretty dang good guard. Like 8 million is not crazy, but yeah, the Vikings were going to, to give him that. But now that the season is starting, he maybe he's willing to change his tune. Maybe he's willing to take a little bit of a smarter deal, uh, a better financial deal for the Vikings. We'll see. Um, Gary asked me to predict when we add Risner. I don't think we end up adding Risner for the reasons that Dave kind of laid out. But that concept is, I think, something that the Vikings are probably going to do and adding and offensive lineman to the back end of this roster. And there was plenty released in the last couple of days that I would like, I want time to take a look at and see who was released to see if there's any good vets that might fit that role. That would be a good fit to bring in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. And we'll, we'll see how things end up kind of working out that way. Um, Ian says 8 million to get a solid guard and help Kirk and a young running back crew worth it. Is Risner going to be that much better than Ezra Cleveland? That, that that's the big question. I don't have an answer to that. And if you can't tell me he's going to be that much better than Ezra Cleveland, I'm not going to give him $8 million. Mm-hmm. If you're a guy at this stage, $8 million to come in and start a guard, he better be better than the guy that he's replacing. And you know what? Maybe it's Ed Ingram. Well, he better be a lot better than Ed Ingram. You're paying him eight million bucks. That's a that's a sizable amount of money. And my philosophy is guards don't matter. And that philosophy means you just want average. I think Ed Ingram's gonna end up being an average guard this year. And that is going to make a big difference for this Minnesota Vikings team. Average guard play is gonna be huge. Right. Why? But they're already good at run blocking. 
Now I want to see him step up to get to average on pass blocking all that th- interior three. They do that. We're going to be fine. And I think the shift to the more Shanahan inspired offense where they use utilizing more 12 personnel, where they're utilizing more rollouts and play action. I think those things are going to make a much, much bigger difference. And when it comes to how the, these interior linemen are going to be pressured. And I, I think that makes difference. Uh, like Rizzer's biggest issue is he's, he's my size. He's six, six. He struggles with leverage and straight line power. Well, uh, his pass blocking was much better than his run blocking. His run blocking was worse than Ed Ingram's last year in, per PFF. Like it, it was like 55. Ingram's was in like the sixties or seventies. And when you take a look at Ingram, he just needs, he needs to clean up technique. And the idea and the construct of cleaning up technique is incredibly simple. Actually cleaning up technique, Dave, and somebody like yourself who's played offensive line, it is not that simple. It's, it's about teaching your feet and, and your body to move in a different way because you start to develop habits. You start to develop, Oh, if I'm at my desk, I know that I keep my pens at about two o'clock. Well, if I move them to four o'clock when I grab here, Oh, it's not there. Oh, all of a sudden I just got beat for a sack and some of that muscle memory stuff matters. And that's why going from the left side to the right side can be incredibly difficult for people because it's everything's backwards. Um, a, a former offensive lineman. And I don't remember who said it and I would give them credit if I did going from the left side to the right side is like trying to write a paper with your left hand. And then all of a sudden switching and writing it with your right hand. If you're not used to it. Yes. Yeah. See, this is where tight ends go BS because we are used to playing on both sides, depending on the play call. So we got used to switching back and forth. That's different. Right hand goes down on this play. Left hand goes down on that play. Yo, this foot up, this foot back. That's different because you're doing that stuff consistently. Christian Mm -hmm. Derrissaw, only plays left tackle. Right. So all of a sudden, if you ask him to go play right tackle when he was a left tackle in college, it's been a left tackle in the NFL. Probably that's when a you're left tackle through Pop Warner. Yeah, that's when you're asking for things to go awry because all of a sudden now you're asking him to do something completely different. Yeah, Aaron. Uh, yeah, the poop joke. Yeah, funny, funny. Um, <laughs> Claire decided to poop on the floor. I, like, I, have, I have a six-year-old rescue friend, she, and she is half potty trained. And... Yeah, it's she's been she's had a rough life, but she's okay now. But yeah, get all your poop jokes out. They're going to be done by the next episode. Right. So <laughs> let's let's move on to um, the defense and offensive line. So poop fits perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're gonna, offensive line is going to add somebody. And so is the defensive line. Defensive line kept five guys. The three that everybody knew they were going to keep uh, Harrison Phillips. Kyrus Tonga, Dean Lowry. They kept Jaquel and Roy. This one was a little bit of a surprise. This one was a little bit of a surprise because I thought he would be a procedural cut and bring back. They kept Jonathan Bullard. Bullard's been consistent. And he has played pretty well. He played well last year. But he also hurt his bicep pretty early in the year. And that hindered him from really being completely effective. And I think he's going to be able to take this to a different level. 
He's going to be able to do things and ha- like make that make that defensive line more solid. I don't think he's going to end up a starter like he was last year because Harrison Phillips is going to be one of those edge, edge guys. He's going to be the defensive ends. And he, because he's going to play defensive end, that kind of takes his position out of out of the deal. So I think having him is objectively good. And we'll see how yeah, how much playing time he gets. I think he's going to end up being a really solid contributor, a rotational guy. And especially on like pass rushdowns, I think you could slide him in as a three technique. You put Harrison Smith as a nose. And then you can have Jaquel and Roy do a bunch of, of funky stuff. Uh, Lowry and Tonga, I would guess you're probably going to have more on first and second down, but I think they're going to rotate all these guys pretty evenly. Like this defensive line group probably needs one more. And this could be a situation where at least for now, um, you have, you bring in a couple guys on the defensive line on the practice squad. And because you, you bring them on the practice squad, you end up, that elevating uh, one here, one there. And I think that could be a really nice benefit for you. Yeah, this is, this is going to be an interesting group. I think they're going to add one more now, but Dave Gary asked about, we don't have a true penetrator on a defensive line. And I agree on the interior. We do not. I think Tonga can get some push, but I don't think we have a true penetrator. What I suspect however, is that you're going to see Brian Flores start to move somebody like Davenport down on pass rushes, bring in that third edge rusher, and we're going to get the penetration that way in combination so that we have penetration on the interior as well as, as, well as the exterior. That is my assumption. Yeah, very well could be. Um I thought they may keep Blacklock for that reason because that's his entire job was to be a quick uh, twitch penetrator in the middle. Maybe. But Blacklock struggled with so many other things. I think defensive line is going to be a really big focus for the Minnesota Vikings coming up this next offseason. Like, they haven't ignored it, but they haven't prioritized it. And I think making it more of a priority is coming down the pipeline, especially when you're seeing defensive tackle almost become a premium position with guys like Quinn and Williams getting big time money. And your Christian Wilkins is next. Chris Jones is holding out for his Buku bucks. I've heard he wants like $30 million. I don't, I don't know if I give him 30 million, but I give him a lot of money because he is that good and that impactful. Well, Dr. Eric Eager, friend of ours over on Super Sports, talks about how if you have a defensive tackle, interior guy that can get pass rush on a regular basis and dominate there, they are roughly equivalent to that premier edge guy. And they cause so much havoc because they're pushing from the middle and there's less distance to the quarterback that way. And that's why some of those guys, and they've developed here over the last five, ten years, are now pushing that market up to make it 
that more expensive because traditionally all we thought of of the defensive interior guys is stop the run, stop the run. Now, we've had some good ones, Kevin Williams being one of them Mm -hmm. over time, but it is a big deal if that interior guy can get push, and that's why they're starting to be looked at and valued as almost an edge rusher, and their their money is coming up to that level. Yeah, and if you have a great one, it makes such a massive difference. Just look, he is obviously an anomaly compared to other defensive tackles around the league, but just look at the... Look at Aaron Donald and the impact Mm -hmm. that he's had in being able to do a lot of those things. Reggie White. Look, he was classified as a defensive end. That man played everywhere. And he was dominant from the outside, like a wide nine, all the way to like a shade nose tackle on certain pass rush downs. Reggie White, in my opinion, is the best defensive player that has ever lived and has ever Mm -hmm. played football. And it's hard to hear any real pushback. He had like 200 sacks and he was dominant across like two decades. Reggie White is the best defensive player I've ever seen. And I don't, I don't, I think he's the best defensive player of all time, but that's how that position can really change the game for you. Let's move on to edge rusher, Dave. And (sighs) how you doing? Uh, I was looking forward to my free bottle of bourbon, but I'll look forward to you even more enjoying yours because Andre Carter got remains on the team. He was not released. He was not waived. And he's part of the initial 53. But Mm -hmm. the wager is, will he be there as of Thursday? So we get through that first round and see what happens. But you're right. They thought too much of him. They kept him. I didn't think they would. Now, I it initially on Sunday when I released my final uh, prediction for the 53-man roster, I did not have Andre Carter the second on there. But as we were recording, I talked myself into it. Why? I didn't think they'd try to let him slip through waivers because of what Andre Carter is. He is a ball of clay that a coach would want to get their hands on because, oh, you're telling me all I have to do is get this guy in a strength and conditioning program for two years and I can make him into a really, really good football player. Okay, I'm in. Like, that's the general construct of Andre Carter. Can they actually take it to that level? Can they actually make him a good football player? Pfft, I don't know. That that's the that's the thing when when you talk about defensive linemen. It's a lot of technique. You need he needs to learn how uh, those pass rush moves. He needs to get into the lab with guys like Daniel Hunter, and he needs to figure that out. Oh, if he remember does now. That out, He's a little bit different than Daniel Hunter was. No, that's not what I'm saying. If he needs to figure out a bevy of pass rush moves, that's where a guy like Daniel Hunter can help him. And no, I agree. But what I'm saying, and Harris with the uh, with that power and gets requisite NFL strength, 
with his unique size at six, seven and the ability to still bend around a corner, that's going to be able to take him to a spot where he could potentially be a starting edge rusher in the national football league. And that is why you don't let him go. Hey, how, how I was trying to relate it to, if I could speak, when we drafted Daniil, everybody said, why did you draft him? He had no sacks or very few sacks. Sacks don't matter. And all that other blah, blah, blah. And Andre Part- Patterson thought, no, I've got a guy here. I'm going to develop him. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they did. I think they see something similar in Carter. Yeah, and I hope and they're right. I hope they're right. The, it, when I say sacks don't matter, of course they matter. Pressure. You know what more? Getting affecting the quarterback. And that's where that pressure stat from pro football focus really comes into play. If you can get pressure on the quarterback, you can impact the play. Yeah. Sack is the um, optimal outcome, but if you get pressure, it's like going to uh, like a pizza shop and ordering a pizza and you want a sausage and pepperoni pizza. All you, all you end up getting delivered is the sausage. Hey, you're still happy with it. Yeah, you would have wanted that extra meat. That extra meat is the sack. Uh-huh. But the pizza with the sausage on it, instead of the sausage and pepperoni, still pretty damn good. That's where that's what that's a pressure. And that is something that you want. I would rather have the one topping, the multiple toppings on the pizza at all the time instead of multiple toppings every once in a while, because I know that that's gonna make a bigger impact in the football game regularly hunter had 70 pressures last year and people were saying he was washed he wasn't any good he stunk we need to trade him um uh, the infamous one trade him for mike gesicki in a third round pick like no you don't trade him because he's he plays really really well and part of it is like the big thing with hunter he was asked to do a lot of things that weren't playing to his strengths and he was still good. The problem is him and Zadarius Smith would get to the quarterback, but the secondary was so bad that the quarterback could just throw up before they could really make a humongous impact on the play. So that's where cohesiveness on the back end needs to pair with that pass rush. Now I feel we're going to have some more cohesiveness. If you would have had a capable defensive coordinator running the Vic Fangio scheme last year, capable, let's say it was Sean Desai, who I think is more than capable. That Vikings defense is probably like 24th in the league. 24th in the league is a hell of a lot better than 31st. When you're talking about a 13 win football team, you probably don't get blown out multiple times. You probably have at least a couple more wins by more than one score. And a couple of those games, like the Cardinals were like faltered hard on a last minute drive. when we were up eight, the Dolphins were down 15 and they got it to within eight at the, in the last two minutes. So it's not exactly as simple as, Oh, you guys had to come back every single game. And they, like you guys were bad and all these things. That's it's not always that simple. And that's why every stat, it is the theme of the show. My mission statement, every stat needs context. If you don't contextualize the numbers, the numbers don't mean anything. And there are a lot of really smart people out there. And you mentioned one of them earlier, Dave, Eric Eager, Sumer Sports. Love Eric. I think he's a great guy. Anytime I 
he mentions numbers and I ask him about it. He's always able to provide context. And I, I ask him a lot of questions because I, I want to try and understand because he's a mathematician, but a lot of people don't realize he played college football. Mm-hmm. He is a football guy that happens to be a math whiz. And that's why the analytics thing for him, he's able to merge the two because he has that background knowledge in both. And understanding the context behind the numbers is more important than numbers themselves. Yeah. Any, uh, any person on Twitter can rattle off. Oh, he had uh, this EPA per play. I'm like, well, do you know how to calculate EPA per play? Uh, do you know if passer rating, even any good is a stat to talk about? Like, that's where if you can't contextualize the numbers, don't use them because they're like, I, I try not to use DVOA because DVOA is not up. Like it's not one of the things that I'm super knowledgeable with as far as how it works in depth. So when I, when I talk to people who are smarter than me, I ask questions about that stuff. That is my rant about Saxon pressures. Welcome back to the show. Um, Gary asked why national media hate the Vikings so much. They don't spend time on the Vikings. Why? The Vikings don't sell ad revenue on television. They don't draw in viewers on talk shows. You know who does? Big market teams. The Bears, the Cowboys, the Jets, the Giants, the Eagles. And then you have your anomaly teams. The Chiefs, because of Patrick Mahomes. The Packers. They kind of became quasi-America's team with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for the past 30 years. They have a legit national following. Those are the teams that are getting most of the pub and most of the attention. And we aren't because we're the Vikings. We're in the heart of the Midwest. Like we don't get as much care in the national media. So when I wouldn't say that they hate us, we don't draw enough ratings for them to talk about us enough. And then I don't think that they, once they do start talking about us, they don't, they haven't studied us enough to really have the proper context for X, Y, and Z. And I think that's the disconnect. Um, I, I, I really don't think national media hates us, but that's kind of the long and the short of it. It's the same reason why nobody talks about the Houston Texans. Like who in the national nationwide wants to hear about the Texans, Texans fans. That's it. Or the Arizona Cardinals. They don't sell ad revenue and that's part of the business. And that's something that over the course of the last few years, I've really learned is, yeah, you not only have to produce good content, but you have to produce good content that people want. People want to hear Skip Bayless screaming about the Cowboys. Why? I have no clue, but people want it. And that's why Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless were once respected newspaper journalists, believe it or not. And if you don't believe me, go watch the Pony Excess, the 30 for 30 on SMU, where they got the death penalty, the college football program. Skip Bayless was one of the lead reporters on that story. And he, he talks about it. And like Bayless used to be a news, a true newspaper guy. Like that's just kind of the way it is that like you have to adapt to media. And guess what? It helps a lot when you're skip Bayless. And now all you can do is sit on TV and scream at somebody else. And you get paid millions of dollars. He, he, he played the game and he played it well. So, all right, we have a couple more positions to get to because we're running out of time. I thought this might be an abbreviated show. No. Um, and we got because Justin's going to he'll be on with Dave here in 
less than five minutes. All right. Well, we'll we'll get everybody uh, situated to send them over there. Inside linebacker, no surprises. Brian Asamoa, Jordan Hicks, uh, Ivan Pace Jr., who was one of three UDFAs to make the team, and Troy Dye. Mm-hmm. No surprises. So we're going to completely skip inside linebacker because that's fine. Cornerback. Hey, Pace made it. The fact that three UDFAs made this team is amazing. Pretty cool. Um, let, let's go to cornerback and safety. We're going to talk about them once. Cornerback, Byron Murphy Jr., Caleb Evans, Andrew Booth Jr., Kai Blackman, Najee Thompson. Yes, the special teams may have been made the roster. And it's safety. Six guys, all six made it. Harrison Smith, Cameron Bynum, Josh Metellus, Lewisine, Jay Ward, and Theo Jackson. All of them made the team. Now, what does that mean? I think the Vikings are going to be looking for a corner. I consider the Vikings having four and a half corners because okay. Najee Thompson may be listed as a corner on Vikings wire. When I write about him, I don't call him a corner. I call him special teams weapon because that's what he is. He's a special teamer that technically has a position. Could he be a decent enough corner? Yeah, but I consider him like a Chris Boyd level corner. Boyd was a special teams gunner. He was a great special teamer. He didn't want him playing corner. That's what Najee Thompson is sliding into. He's going to be that guy. And I think that could end up working really, really well. I also think, Dave, hmm. that when you take a look at all these guys, you have six safeties and four and a half corners. Well, Jay Ward's played outside in slot corner extensively at LSU. Maybe they roll with this and they have Jay Ward doing more star responsibilities, which in the Bill Belichick system, which is what Brian Flores runs, it's called the Apex, where you're playing in the slot. And you're doing a lot of those things. Maybe that's the direction they choose to go and not bring in another corner. Instead, put a couple on the practice squad. I'm very intrigued to see how this ends up playing out. But they have a really talented secondary. And how they end up segmenting things and structuring is going to be really fascinating to see. Uh, Kevin Fielder, Vikings Wire, wrote up five cornerbacks to keep an eye on the Vikings that could potentially bring in. One of them was my boy from South Carolina, Darius Rush who was a fourth round pick of the Colts and they waived him today. I was floored. Uh, everybody knew how much I wanted Darius rush. He was one of my guys. He was the corner on the all Forno team. I loved him and I hope that they end up bringing him in and he ends up being great. So we'll see how that ends up playing out, but <sighs> that's the show guys. The Vikings have a 53 man roster and we are going to end up Back next week, um, mon- next Monday is the Labor Day. So um, there's potential for a show. Dave and I will be in contact. And if if we have one, you'll see it. If we don't, we're taking the day off. So be prepared. <laughs> uh, but we will be back on Wednesday. I never take a day off from the Vikings. Oh, I never take a day off from the Vikings. But from sitting down and doing a show, yeah. yeah um, we're also going to have um, a our first game preview next Wednesday afternoon in the evening talking Vikings Buccaneers and a very intriguing Bucks team because they have a lot of talent, but they also don't have a lot of talent. They are a team in real flux right now with big time players at big time positions. Not a lot of depth. They had six UDFAs make the team. albeit two of them should have been drafted. So I'm calling it four. 
Sean Tucker only didn't get drafted because of a knee scare and Rakeem Jarrett didn't get drafted. I don't know why I, I had a fifth round round, but I know a lot of people who had him in like a second or third round. We'll get so, into it. Yeah. We'll get into all of that guys. The season's here. Get excited. Dude. Get ready. Thank you to everybody. You put us over a thousand subscribers yes. last night. We, our goal was to get to a thousand subscribers. Like I set a lofty goal for us to get to a thousand subscribers by week one. We did it before the cut down and we are incredibly proud of that. And we have you guys to thank for supporting us and believing that this is some of the best content out there in on the internet. Thank you very much for joining us. We will be back next week to talk about your Minnesota Vikings. I'm Tyler. He's Dave. And as you saw earlier, Eclair and her poop on my fingers. We all say <laughs> Oh, I I encourage everybody to go see Justin over at Purple and Gold for Days. He's on here probably right now. Move on over, catch him. He's part of Vikings First and Skull team. And uh, we'll see you on the podcast side of the rest of the week as we break all this down. And what do we say? Okay. We say Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.